Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. Hosted by the editors of Writer's Digest, this monthly podcast features conversations with writing and publishing experts whose insights will help ignite your creative vision, hone your skills, build your platform, and get your work out into the world. Welcome back to Writer's Digest Presents. I'm Editor-in-Chief Amy Jones, alongside Senior Editor Robert Lee Brewer, Managing Editor Mariah Richard, and Editor Michael Woodson. At the end of July, the staff of Writer's Digest will be heading to New York City for the Writer's Digest Annual Conference. It's the first time we'll be back with the WD writing community since before the pandemic. And this got us thinking about writing communities in general, our experience with them, what's great about them, what can go wrong potentially. So that's what today's episode is all about. Mariah and Michael will bring you two conversations with organizers of two different writing communities. But first, we'll have a chat among the editors of Writer's Digest. Hey, everyone. Hello. So sort of like what we do with our with the other topics that we've talked about I sort of want to start a little bit broad and talk about um, you know, the idea that writing communities can take different formats they can be in person or they can be online only so what do you think of when you think of a writing community uh, for me uh, I think of both actually um, online uh, I've built up some communities around a few different topics. Uh, poetry in April is maybe like the one that's like the really big one. But I've also done like platform challenges before and something about doing challenges seems to inherently like produce communities around it because of all the people who are participating, uh, want to encourage each other, share tips with each other and uh, you know, they tend to like start off doing the challenge in one place and then reconnecting on another social platform like Facebook or uh, Instagram or, or something like that. I, mainly Facebook, though, because I think that's the place where you can really like share like a little bit more in-depth stuff uh, information. Um, but uh, I've also had experience with uh, in-person writing communities, some of them more formal and some a little less formal uh, and the less formal ones being usually smaller groups of uh, writers getting together. Uh, the more formal ones, I think of like the state poetry societies, um, there's like a whole federation of them uh, that, that put on different events. Um, but, but there are other writing genres that, that have these types of groups as well. Yeah, I think that um, for me, uh, a writing community is really just a group of people um, who have the same kind of interests when it comes to writing. Um, so I, I know you guys are probably really enthusiastic to hear me talk about fan fiction some more. Um, <laughs> but again, like fan fiction is like something that's mostly alive online, um, but not necessarily uh, the people who write fan fiction are interested in writing original content um, where the in-person groups that I'm a part of, like I'm a member of the Maryland Writers Association. And um, a lot of people there, their goal is to write and publish original content. Um, so no matter how the, the group is formed, where it lives, like on the internet or in person, um, I think it really just 
all comes down to the goals of that group and the interests of the people who are a part of that community. That's really interesting because my my experience with it has been well. I think before this working at WD, I would have answered that spe- more specifically with being the concept of like an in group writing group that's literally meeting to discuss what we're writing. But this uh, job and WD has shown me that that is very limiting and that there's a huge uh, active community happening online across platforms and um, genres, as we've said. Uh, in my experience with my writing group, I'm in a writing group and it's it's very casual. It was just the four, four, three of my best friends and myself after one of our book club chats were like, we all ask each other about our writings independently. Let's just get together and start a writing group. And part of what I loved about it was how different all of what we were doing um, how different all of our stuff was and what we were bringing to the table because that really informed my writing and what I like about what I write and what I need to work on in my writing. Like one of us was writing a script, um, another one of us was writing something very political and then I just write like very sad stuff all the time. <laughs> and they were like, you need to cheer up. Um, and so for me, I think it's just people who ultimately have uh, your best interest in mind and want to help you tell the best possible story you can. I love that. I love that idea of it. Um, I think mine sort of kind of meshes together some of what all of you were saying. You know, I think of like a writing community broadly as, you know, I guess using Writer's Digest as the example, you know, we have the the website and the annual conference, which is sort of like the large overarching community that sort of functions as um, like inspiration and support and um, general advice. But then when you really want to like focus on something specific, you can build a writing community or writing communities are mm. built around specific shared common goals and ideas, sort of like what Mariah was saying with fan fiction, where it's focused in on a particular thing, um, and whether that's genre or, you know, wanting to get published or a specific type of fan fiction. Um, but Michael, I'm interested in what you were saying about your experience with writing communities. And I want to know more about the writing communities that um, that all of you are in. And have they been generally good or bad or somewhere in between? Or is there some way to like, some way to make them work better for you that you mm -hmm. have experienced? Uh, yeah, my writing group is, like I said, just a collection of my friends who we all realized we love to write and started a writing group that and we were but pre COVID meeting monthly in person, um, sharing our work. And then COVID times, we kind of moved it to like once a quarter, which ultimately was working better for us because we were meeting to, we didn't have enough new stuff to show each other um, to really get much feedback on. Um, and I think it's because it's made up of people that I know who I know are going to respect my boundaries that I uh, mm. love this writing group. And it's just, it's only been good for me. And they uh, lovingly push me to um, just get out of my comfort zone with even sharing my stuff because that is really hard for me. And um, I mean, I'm 
in my 30s and I've been writing for years and I've rarely tried to get my stuff published because I'm just afraid of anyone reading it. And they're they're sort of helping me get out of that um, fear very slowly. But for me, it's been just um, only good for me has come out of it. Yeah, I guess it would depend for like, I've been a part of many, many groups over the years. Um, I've moved around a lot, which uh, has contributed to that. Um, but I, I think it just really depends on um, like where the group is at any point in time. So for example, um, I was a part of a group separate. So we were all kind of in the MFA program together, but it was separate from the work that we were doing um, for our degree. And it was really, really great in the few years that we were all in the same city. Um, but then, you know, as time went on and we all had, um, you know, different things happening in our personal lives and our professional lives, uh, it kind of got to the point where I was doing all of the reviewing, all of the reading, and then my stuff was kind of getting pushed to the side. Um, so I just had to make a decision that like, love you guys, but I'm not going to be participating in this group anymore because the, uh, it's starting to feel a little unbalanced here in terms yeah. of workload. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily that, uh, the writing groups I've been a part of have been like quote unquote bad experiences. Um, I think that it's just really healthy to, uh, you know, be in touch with your own boundaries, as Michael was saying, like, this is what I need from this group. Um, if I'm getting it currently, great. I'd love to be a part of this community. If it's no longer serving me in the way that I need, um, I think it's really healthy. And um, to just kind of exit that community, and it doesn't have to be drama filled, it doesn't have to be painful. Yeah. Um, it can just be like, love you. <laughs> not anymore. I'm not going to be a part of this group. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love uh, that thought, Mariah. Um, that's been my experience. I, I've been part of several groups over the years. Um, and, and I even count, uh, like, one of my neighbors uh, where I live here, like, we used to meet once a month. And even though it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, I still consider that, like, a writing mm -hmm. group because we were getting together for that purpose to talk over each other's writing. And sometimes... We would just like, like how you mentioned that uh, at times it felt like a little lopsided. There would be times where we'd kind of say like, hey, like, I'm just going to be up front. Like, I'm not going to be able to read because I'm just busy this month. But let's still get together and talk about writing just in general. And yeah. um, sometimes that was really helpful um, and, and also like a way uh, to make us feel like, you know, like we're still writers getting together to talk about writing, but like we don't feel the pressure of like, I've got to read stuff or totally or got to read stuff and critique. Um, and that can sometimes be helpful. Um, just speaking to your writer soul part, um, if you're not getting that somewhere else. And like that's sometimes what I feel like writing groups are sometimes really helpful for is just, um, you know, finding some people who know what it's like to be a writer because right. uh, in my travels, like I go to the Writer's Digest annual conference and it's amazing uh, being around all these different writers and it feels so great. Then I come back home and like, like I said, like I've got my one neighbor that um, 
what we'll talk about writing, but like everyone else is just like, uh, sometimes they don't even read books, <laughs> which really feels bad. Uh, so, so it's really, it, it's a special thing sometimes just to have like this group, um, even if you meet uh, once a month, uh, once every three months, just to interact with other writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you say that, Robert, because it reminded me of in the middle of like pre-vaccine COVID, we had an outdoor, me and my uh, writing group were just hungry to see each other, but none of us had really written anything shock it was like the worst time of all of our lives and we were like can we just like me and feel normal but like just talk about writing and so we did and it was it was uh it felt like just um like filling our tanks because we were so depleted um in so many ways that even just yeah meeting people who have the same sort of creative sensitivities as you to even just talk about it in a broader sense um, I do think actually counts. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, like listening to you guys talk and thinking about um, like intention when it comes to writing communities, um, like the heart of a writing community really should be connection, Yeah. you know, uplifting people, encouragement. Um, I think the only times I've been a part of, and it's kind of weird, like is is academia a writing community? Um, I think that's like a really interesting question because you think of the MFA program, which is built around interrogating each other's work. Um, But it, it seems to, and this is my experience, not just with my MFA program, but with my broader um, academic experience, like when you get a bunch of students in a room looking at each other's work, it can start to feel very competitive Mm. Um, and when you're placed in those environments where it kind of feels like sink or swim do or die like I think that um, those communities can very quickly become toxic totally Um, so I think it's it's really great to hear that you know no matter what communities we find ourselves in we're really finding other writers who really just want to take care of each other um, and make space for each other. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, I love that thought uh, because, uh, you know, we kind of talked about the, the positives, but that, that is a real negative. And I've seen it other writing groups that I've even uh, visited um, where uh, they'll, they'll be like a certain clique of people. And sometimes it's even just one person. It's like the one person that really brings everyone down. Uh, but sometimes there's like, you know, a small click. And I think it's always good to just be wary of, uh, is this group working for me? And, or do I need to kind of break off into a smaller group? You know, uh, uh, when you mentioned academia, um, you know, I didn't do the masters, but I took a lot of creative writing courses in college and there would definitely be that, I guess, competitive um, thing going on because everyone's trying to get grades and everyone's trying to be like the best in the the class or, or have like the stories that everyone loves. Um, but I, I would always, I have like my like kind of smaller group of writer friends that, you know, we would get together outside of 
class and we had formed our own like kind of smaller writing community um you know of course we're still like workshopping people's stuff inside class but we would just get together and, and we all just kind of had similar uh, sensibilities and, and goals with our writing, um, where we could talk about that outside of class. And I was going to say, this is the academia part of it is really until I joined Writer's Digest, that has, was the majority of my writing community experience right. was creative writing classes, um, or in undergrad or, um, you know, writing workshop type classes for my master's. Um, and there, I, thinking back on it, um, I don't, I only remember the competition part coming in, um, on really like one occasion, but what, um, I found problematic with those, uh, falling into the idea of, you know, community was there wasn't necessarily the buy-in by everyone in the class. You know, you have to, I feel like part of in addition to supporting and thinking about boundaries, I feel like you have to have um, the buy-in that everyone has a similar, everyone in this group has a similar um, goal or has a similar drive to participate in it. And that wasn't necessarily the case when people were choosing an elective that they thought was going to get them an easy A <laughs> versus something, you know, versus the others of us who were actually interested in the writing and thinking about it as a, you know, something we wanted to continue doing, you know, and then I got to Writer's Digest and came to the, the conference for the first time. And Robert, going back to what you said about attending the conference and being around all of those people who, even though their specific writing goals might be, or not might be, but are very different, um, everyone there is still so committed to the idea of writing and being supportive of each other and being enthusiastic. Um, and I will say the one thing that as an as a um, staff member going to the conference that I wish I, I had more time um, to talk to more people there instead of thinking about logistics and handing out um, mm. worksheets or handouts during the sessions because it's not often that you get to be around that many like-minded people who just want to talk about writing all the time right um, so yeah, I uh, I can't wait to be back in person for our conference in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we kind of, we sort of um, hit on this a little bit in thinking about, um, we're talking about the idea of buy-in or boundaries or like-minded goals, but what kind of priorities should writers think about when deciding to join a writing community or not? Um, because I'm just thinking about, um, uh, going back to the idea of competition, I saw this right. movie on, um, on Amazon, I think it was on Amazon prime and it was, I can't, it may have been called the writing group. It was, it didn't get a lot of attention. I think I've mentioned it to, to, you, um, just in passing to all of you in passing, but it was about a group of writers in California who had these very um, like lofty 
goals of writing the next great American novel and then sure. but they sort of like tear each other apart in their writing group of and course. they are in just competitive with each other and then one of them uh, I think she's played by Kaylee Cuoco she uh, oh, wow. she makes it big but she wrote a like a fantasy novel it was or some genre fiction that the writing group thought was just she was um, you know, letting them all down by writing something that was not literary. And, <laughs> and she tried to keep participating in this group, but, you know, her priorities were changing and the group was not fulfilling what she needed anymore. Um, so that's kind of what my, my thought is about these priorities is eventually you might kind of outgrow the right. current writing group that you're in and need to think about moving on. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Amy, because I actually watched that movie after you mentioned it, uh, and it's called Authors Anonymous. Okay, there and, it is. And <laughs> uh, if you want to see, I, I've seen iterations of this, probably not as dramatic as it is in this movie, because movies always amp everything up, sure. but if you want to see all the possible outcomes of real writing groups uh this movie is great uh <laughs> authors anonymous and uh it really shows you know there there are people who are there for for many different reasons and uh i think anytime you come into a writing group for me you should really be thoughtful about like what you want at this specific time like do you just want community do you want people to look at your writing uh, and give you feedback? Do you feel like you're far enough along where you really need people in your genre to give you specific feedback? Mm -hmm. Are you ready to really try to get published? Or are you even in the process of getting published and you need other writers who are on that track as well? And, and you really need to, there are so many different small groups of uh, authors who have books coming out at the same time for their debuts and they use that uh, to leverage with each other to to expand their audiences as well so so there are so many different ways to come into it and i i think saying yes to all of that is probably like the wrong uh way to to come into it it's more uh that you should uh really be honest about like where am I at right now? What do I need? And um, try to find a group that kind of helps with that uh, stage that you're at. Yeah, I think um, if I'm thinking about priorities, I think, and if you're joining a writing group, uh, thinking like you will definitely participate, just remember that you're going uh, to workshop and to be workshopped. And in remembering that, just know you know, if you're there to help someone with their story, know the difference between um, being constructive and being cruel. And constructive feedback is, when you're surrounded by people you trust, is really helpful. But I think that, we, as we talked about the academia side of it, it can turn cruel really quickly. And just know that what you wouldn't want to hear about your story, don't say that to somebody else. Um, and it seems so basic, but it's really important to remember that. And then on the flip side of that, if you're there to be workshopped, 
remember what your boundaries are and make sure to tell people what they are. If you're there for a specific reason and you're, and you're feel very confident in another aspect of your story, say that, like, I'm not, I feel good about this. I really need help on my dialogue. Um, or this specific scene, I'm having a hard time, um, uh, uh, working through and then also just being open to learning something from from a genre that you don't write in like one of my one of my uh writing group friends is writing what i think is like truly going to be the best uh romance novel i'll ever read and she does dialogue so brilliantly and i'm really really insecure about my dialogue and i have learned just from observing so much about how to write dialogue um, from reading her stuff. So just, I think, come in with an open mind um, and remember that you're playing more than one part when you're in a writing group. Um, I think for me, I always go into a new writing group with like three priorities. Um, so I figured I'd share those and maybe <laughs> they will help others. Um, so kind of going off what Michael said, boundaries is always my number one thing. Um, I think what I learned in school is that like in a workshop, you will read anything that is given to you. Um, but I am an adult human with my own agency. <laughs> and there are some things that are extremely <laughs> triggering to me that I will not read. Um, and mm -hmm. likewise, like in my group, we have shared things that we will absolutely, we're not open to reading. Um, and it's, it's nothing personal. Um, on the flip side of it, you know, I'm a horror author and some of the stuff that I write is gross. And I have a friend who is like, even the title of this story is triggering to me. <laughs> and and it's not personal. I just say to her, you know, hey, this one you're going to want to take a pass yeah. on. Um, so being able to express those things and and be honest with each other and, you know, feel OK with that. Um, number one priority for me. Number two, going off of boundaries is style of feedback. Uh, my, especially hmm. my MFA program was like particularly traumatizing to me <laughs> when it comes to the way that my work is perceived in a group setting, um, which I know that's, that's my own baggage, right? That I'm bringing into a new community. Um, but it's really important to me that I say like, hey, this is like, not what I'm receptive to. If you could give me the yeah. feedback in this way, I'd really appreciate it. And if the community is okay with that, like these are my people, I fit here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and likewise, I have um, I have met writers who struggle with receiving feedback um, that's written down. So they're like, would anybody mind if we do like a 15 minute phone call? Um, and, mm -hmm. and of course, this was an online based writing group. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll hop on a Zoom with you so I can give you my feedback verbally if that's more comfortable to you. Um, and then the third thing is diversity. Um, this one is particularly important to me as a queer person who was not a part of a lot of groups that had other queer people. Um, I found myself like editing my stories a lot or not sharing things that I was afraid um, they might not like quote unquote get. Um, so just knowing that like there are other people in your group who at least are open to like receiving some things that you've experienced um, is really important to me. 
And listener, if you're hearing a lot of academia talk, if you want to hear more, head to our second episode where Mariah and I talk all about this. (laughs) (laughs) Mariah, I love those, breaking it down into those three, um, those three points. I think you said it better. I mean, I I hadn't even thought of it in, in that particular way, but the idea of how you are the one about feedback and how you are giving and receiving feedback is, um, I mean, like I've identified, I am a, I, as a learner, I catch on to things quicker if I can read it, if I can sit there and see it and read it and internalize it. So I don't think, and I mean, maybe this is part of why those workshops in college never did much for me because it was mm. just people talking at me. <laughs> um, and I can't internalize that very well. Um, you know, and this is making me think about how I'm not much of a joiner, <laughs> um, which might also be part of why I haven't been part of a lot of writing groups assigned from, you know, the ones that I join by default by being in a class or working for Writer's Digest. But so how have you all found, Michael, I know you said yours are friends. Um, how have you found writing groups? Um, to participate in? Uh, for me, I, I've never really had trouble with it. I'm, I know I've mentioned it before, but I'm very much an introvert. Um, I usually, with everything in my life, for some reason, people just find me and pull me <laughs> in. So, um, and, uh, you know, some of that, like, you know, in college, it was very easy because, you know, we had courses so we could uh, run into each other. And, and since like, I've just been very blessed to have gone straight from, I was still in college when I started with Writer's Digest. So I've always, I think just been an easy target for people to pull me in. <laughs> Not that that's an open invitation to people to pull me in because <laughs> time is very limited for me, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, so I guess I'm not too helpful for like how, how to seek them out. Um, but, uh, yeah. I think for me, um, it started out as like people that I knew from school, people that I knew growing up, growing up with. Um, but then once I became an editor, um, it was one of those things where like, oh, I work with people who are writers. So you kind of get like, okay, well, we'll start this like little group with us coworkers. And then, oh, you know, I have a friend from school or like my cousin also <laughs> likes to write like and people just like the community just sprouts. <laughs> um, but something when I moved from Pennsylvania to Maryland, um, I was, I felt like a little bit of an island for a while. Um, I was like doing a whole bunch of like freelancing and not really making um, like strong connections in my workplaces. Um, so I ended up uh, just being brave and it was NaNoWriMo and my local library had a come right in program. So um, I went to a write in and met some really cool people there. um, And they were like, Hey, do you like, are you a part of MWA Maryland Writers Association? And at that point I was like, I have never even heard of (laughs) such a thing. And I hadn't realized that most states do have statewide, um, writing associations that are broken down by generally by counties. Um, so out here I'm, I'm part of the Anne Arundel County. And so, um, 
you know, we have people from Baltimore, Annapolis, um, kind of all over. So I joined that and then I started going to virtual open mic nights and in doing that, people were like, <laughs> you are so hey, brave. We do these like online writing groups and this is this is where I'm not brave. So I I kind of was like, yeah, of course, I'll join your like Facebook, like friends writing group. And they're like, yeah, we meet once a week. Like I am part of the group and I'm just a lurker. Yeah, <laughs> I have not I have not participated at all. I haven't commented on anybody's posts. I haven't shown up to the meetings like I know when the meetings are <laughs> and I put them on my calendar, <laughs> but I haven't gone yet. And it's just one of those things like. Again, this community is waiting for me, <laughs> and it will continue to wait as as long as I don't show up. Well, I, I have to say but that it's... that is helpful, though. I, I do think uh, if you're not ready to actually show up in person, sometimes being a lurker online is that like gateway drug to eventually getting to the totally. in-person event. And, and maybe it takes mm -hmm. a like I've had people on uh, poetic asides. Uh, you know, doing the poetry challenges every month. I have people have said that they've been doing them for more than 10 years. And then they'll say that like, they finally started sharing their poems online. So they're still not even meeting people face to face, but finally participating where they're sharing their poems. So like, I totally want discount, uh, even just being a lurker online, <laughs> like that, that yeah. can sometimes be like the first step to, to, to getting that community. And it's also like, figuring out the vibe, right? Like when you're lurking, you're like, okay, I'm gonna look to see how these people communicate with each other. And like, is that how I wanna be communicated with? Is that how I'm okay communicating with them? Like, <laughs> what are they writing? Do I kind of fit into that bubble? Or like, I mean, some of the stuff that I write, I know is very experimental and bizarre. And a lot of times it, it just doesn't work. And so I'm like, are they going to, if I, if I present that to this group, are they just going to give each other the side eye and sit in <laughs> silence? <laughs> but I do feel like we all are kind of professional lurkers because our, the nature of our jobs allows us to do that because we are just given like all of these beautiful, beautifully written articles from all of these writers who are giving us advice. And I'm just unknowingly sometimes, just, uh, filing that away and um, not really, they don't need to know that that's what I'm doing. I'm just editing their piece, but I am definitely doing that. <laughs> um, but as I said, yeah, my writing group just came together after a, I mean, my friend Margie and I have been writing together for years and we, it was just a two person writing group as well. And then my friend Lily had reached out to me and said, Hey, I have the story that I've been working on and I wanted your feedback. I know you're a writer. And then she and I met, and it was so good. And then my friend Aaron was like, hey, I'm working on this children's book. I don't know if you would be interested in reading it. And then after one of our um, book club meetings, it was just the, us. I, I had sort of engineered it so that it was just us left. And because um, we were very, I was nervous to even admit that I was writing, you know. And I stopped them and I was like, hey, like, let's just start a writing group because each of you are coming to me separately with like really great ideas and I want us to all to experience this. So I, I also have no advice on how to join one. Um, I think that people who are looking for them though, probably are in the same boat that all of us are in and that we are surrounded by people who are probably interested in this as well. So I think maybe just, it might feel brave 
but maybe take the first step and ask anyone if they want to join. Yeah, and sometimes it's even just letting people know that, that you're interested in writing and reading, and that gets the conversation going. Um, yeah, I like what you said about being a professional lurker, Michael, because I, I think that's what I've <laughs> been doing for so long, you know, not actively participating in a writing group. I've been sort of, I've been reading the, you know, when I edited the Writer's Digest books, I was internalizing everything that I was editing yeah. and then same thing with the magazine i'm so, just reading all of this great stuff and i need to take the next step but i you know i'm not ready for like a workshop type writing group but maybe just an so, accountability writing group you know a group where i can yeah where we can just like make sure that we actually are doing the writing every week or every two weeks or whatever because that's where i fall short well, I feel like this has kind of um, been another um, writing therapy session for me. You all helped me identify, um, you know, what I should be looking for in a writing community and um, how to set my priorities for that. And I hope we did that for um, everyone else listening as well. So stay tuned and Michael and Mariah will bring you a couple of fantastic conversations with um, organizers of some different writing groups. Okay, hello everyone. I'm Michael Woodson, content editor for Writer's Digest, here alongside my friend and colleague, managing editor Mariah Richard, and we are here to continue discussions about writing communities with some incredibly exciting guests. With us today are three of the founding members of Pit Black, an event and community that amplifies and celebrates Black writers and their work. First off, we just want to say welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Hi, thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Before we get started, um, we'd love for each of you just to sort of introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves. I'll go first. <laughs> Hi. Um... My name is Lane Clark, and I'm an attorney, a literary agent, and a young adult author. Um, my debut comes out July 26th, Love Times Infinity. Okay, I'll, I'll go next. I am Maya Ariel. I am a currently querying slash revising author of rom-coms. Um, I work in higher education, and I live in Los Angeles with my husband and my son, who's a two-year-old. And hello, I am Ashley Noel. Um, I am a social worker, currently a therapist, um, kind of traveling in my car and Airbnb in it with my cat and dog for a few months right now. Um, and I am also a querying <laughs> author. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, so at the time of this recording, we're about a week out of you officially launching your website, www.pitblk.com. And right now, as you listen, it's currently live. So congratulations on Yay. your launch. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> Thank you. We're in the future. Yes. <laughs> so would you just briefly tell our listeners about Pit Black and your mission? Yeah, definitely. So Pit Black is the first, as far as we know, um, Twitter pitch party 
for Black authors, exclusively for Black authors. Um, and the purpose of it is to amplify Black authors and their work and to also encourage the traditional publishing industry to help support and celebrate the work coming from Black authors. Because as we know, there's a lot of inequity um, in the industry and Black art, Black culture, Black writing is so influential just broadly that we thought that we would answer the call that's been coming from a lot of writers on Twitter. So within that, what was the inception for Pip Black? Like how how did it go from grow from an idea to a an actionary thing? A tweet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it all it always starts on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. Uh, so uh, um, I guess it goes probably a little bit way back to um, 2020. Um, uh, from an initial tweet about, um, you know, why isn't there a hashtag for um, Black writers in the kind of, you know, pitch um, ecosystem that exists on Twitter. Um, and we came up with BBM, Black Voices Matter, um, and just saw kind of the success that came from that on Twitter and agents being able to more easily find that work. And then um, Maya, um, took it and just totally ran with it and um, Pit Black, a whole event for Black writers sprouted out of that um, little seed. So a lot of this is, is Maya's brainchild. I think, um, you know, we're all familiar, I think, with Pitch Wars and Pit Mad, um, which has had 10 years of great success. And in the announcement earlier this year that they were going to discontinue, it kind of created this sort of vacuum where writers in the querying phase were sort of like, well, what what's next? You know, and I think a lot of um, a lot of smaller pitch uh, contests started cropping up. And as that was happening, there was conversation or discourse on Twitter about marginalized communities and focusing on amplifying them. And so I was just really fascinated to see um, API Pit, just observing as a supporter, retweeting, cheering on fellow authors um, and their work. And it was just cool to see how for one day, the industry kind of stopped and took notice of what was happening. And it was beautiful to see all the mood boards and aesthetics of all the different rich cultures that make up the API author community. And I kind of just tweeted, we should do one for black writers. And I said, what about pitch black, which was what we initially thought we would be. And from that one tweet, I started getting DMs like crazy, like you should do this, I'll support you, we want this. And then I just created a Twitter account and Lane reached out and offered support. I think I tweeted, I DM'd um, Ashley, um, Faith, who's our other founding member DM. So we just kind of created a group chat and the rest is, you know, We've been busy for the past month. Yeah. 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 It's been a whirlwind. <laughs> so is that, was there, was there any level of any of you knowing each other beforehand or is that truly how each of you met? That's, That's how we met. That's yes. it. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But since then, I think we probably, I, I DM these, the four of us, I DM them more than almost anyone. So we've quickly right. become, we had our first um, internal Zoom chat that went like, I don't know, two hours last week. So we're becoming fast um, collaborators and friends. I think a Zoom call is a, a good test of like how how much a team can gel mm -hmm. together. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So this episode is all about writing communities, and we're always really excited to see new and emerging groups come together and support one another. So other than uh, your mission to amplify Black authors and their work, do you have some personal goals for this community? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on our Zoom, um, our internal Zoom, which was really just providing resources. Um, the, the publishing industry is really opaque. Um, there's a lot of unwritten rules. There's a lot of kind of etiquette and expectations that as a new author, you would really have no idea how to even break in. And so we're going beyond just the pitch event and maybe Ashley can talk about a lot of the outreach um, to editors and agents and authors to provide um, mentorship and different opportunities for authors to just learn, how do I break into this? How do I go from just writing my ideas down to getting a manuscript that's ready to even start querying? So... Yeah, so I can add on to that. That's my tee up for you, Ashley. (laughs) No no worries. I'm like, here we go. I got it. Um, So for me, I know coming into the querying world and on Twitter, it was like, where do you go? What do you do from here? And so we're really wanting to kind of... um, kind of remove the blinds that are around like publishing and kind of remove that and offer it to be a little bit easier to and accessible um so we've been doing a a call out to a lot of editors to agents um to not only spotlight them but to make sure we have their support and seeing if we can do like ask agent events and ask editors um to open that space for people to ask the hard questions or the questions that you know, we feel like we can't always answer to ask anybody else because it feels like a dumb question or it feels like we should know these things when we don't. Um, also offering space to talk to other um, authors and spotlighting them and talking about their journeys and what advice they may have for people in the industry um, and seeing what what ideas they have. We have having a lot of people um, completing our survey saying they want to help with mentorship. They want to help um, donate services or help just talk to people um, to help introduce them to um, traditional publishing and even self-publishing. So um, we really just want to kind of take that sheer that's kind of hidden over um, publishing, we feel like, especially for the Black community. That sort of beautifully leads me into my next question, because we did notice a lot of that on your social media. You guys do such a good job of highlighting agents and authors and editors all across your social media. Uh, And you've mentioned um, to Mariah, I believe, that you've pulled resources from larger online communities as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process and that experience? And and maybe how has that started to form your maybe new perceptions of the publishing world as well? Yeah, I think it was really important to us to acknowledge that there were communities and groups that came before us and to not just acknowledge them, but to reach out and want to collaborate. So that's kind of the phase we're in now where we're also in the DMs of other groups like Rogue Mentor and Rev Pit. Um, we got insight from the folks behind PitMad. We reached out to API Pit and on our website that By the time of this airing, we'll have been launched. We've got a resources page that links to the different mentorship programs available because that's what part of our purpose is, is to connect authors, Black authors, with things that are already existing to help support them. Um, And then beyond that, we want to do kind of co-collaborations, maybe host panels and conversations with folks behind other programs um, to just kind of join forces and show that we are here to 
particularly highlight and amplify Black writers, but we know this is an inclusive industry and it's not anything that you do on your own. And so seeing that kind of, you know, reaching across and working together is something that we really want to see. I was going to say, to answer the second part, I feel like it's taken away, it feels like intimidating to go in somebody's DMs and be like, hi, I'm a random person you've never heard of before. And this is what (laughs) we're offering. Um, But the response back has been just so uplifting, um, especially for somebody who is a nobody in the Twitter realm. Um, It's very great to see so much support um, wanted for this a lot of people are excited and have been waiting around for this kind of event to happen so yeah I definitely had to get over being shy in this. <laughs> well I love what you say though as a brief aside I love what you say in terms of uh, something that we see a lot from people especially debut authors is that they couldn't imagine the group effort that it is to get your book published and all of the people behind the scenes that make it happen. And I think groups like this really help because writing can be so um, kind of isolating and, and deeply personal in a way that is beautiful, but also kind of lonely. And so knowing that there is a group of people who really want to help, it just makes it a much better experience, I think, for everyone. Yeah. And I think too, just back to the discourses is that we're seeing that kind of everyone's saying that it's hard to be in the trenches right now. Like Everything's taking a lot longer to get responses. And there's just sort of like this trickle down of overwhelm. And so I didn't know when I started querying that, you know, I could just write my book and send that first draft out. That was something I didn't know. I didn't know about CPs and betas. I didn't know that like freelance editing was a thing. And all of that, I kind of just picked up on Twitter through following different conversations. And so I started querying and, and thinking I was ready. And then I learned about a month in that I really wasn't. And I needed to take a step back and work on my manuscript. And so something like this might help the next author, you know, kind of prepare themselves a little bit better for entering the trenches. And I think for me as an editor, um, so I have a history of working specifically with debut authors. Um, so I helped over 100 debut authors publish. And it, there seems to be this like culture of embarrassment around asking questions um, that like, oh, well, if I, if I have to ask this, I might appear not to know what I'm talking about. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, then you think I'm a bad writer. Um, and I'm always of the mind that like, I'm happy to answer a question 10,000 times <laughs> because it's new to you. Um, so I think like spaces like this are super important for people who they just have questions and they don't know where exactly to bring them, where it's safe to bring them. Um, because certain communities online, especially, um, I feel like can be a little bit pretentious. Um, maybe that's me coming from like a MFA background that I'm sensitive to, uh, (laughs) that kind of (laughs) attitude. Um, But I I think that it's important for people to be able to have a space where the resources are clearly laid out. Um, They feel comfortable connecting with people who might be a little bit more experienced than them. Um, And kind of speaking of this online space, so I think it would be really great if you could walk us through Pit Black and its website. So like I said earlier, you know, we know that you're about to launch 
already launched for our listeners, um, but how would an interested author best utilize Pit Black? Like, where should they start? So first and foremost, our pitch dates, they're um, September 21st and 22nd. Um, this is an homage to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, do you remember the 21st night of September? <laughs> so yes. uh, yeah, we wanted it to be, we're calling it a pitch party, not a pitch contest, because the vibes are just a little bit different with a party. Um, we're splitting up our, our genres and age groups over those days. But to get back to the question, the first thing you'll notice is that's when our pitch dates are. And we encourage all authors that are going to participate to look at our official participants tab, which lists over 50 um, agents and editors who have signed on. They've um, responded to our survey that Ashley sent out and we got help creating that survey. Um, and they said, we will be scanning, scrolling on your pit black hashtag that day, looking for talent that we wanna consider. So we'd recommend that authors research that list. Are there agents there that are repping your genre? Um, and also, if you do get likes from these agents that day, do your research before you submit to them. Um, that's, I think that's probably the number one goal. We wanted to make sure that we had industry buy-in and participation, and we wanted to show that and make it really clear on the website. Um, and then beyond that, uh, we've got our spotlight section, which, um, I guess, Ashley, do you want to talk about that part? Yeah. Um, so this part I'm very excited about. So we have reached out to um, some Black authors, um, Black agents, and Black editors. And each um, month or probably bi-monthly, uh, we'll be spotlighting them, um, asking various different questions about, um, you know, what their projects are, what it's like being an agent, you know, how do they keep going in a time where it feels like like the publishing world is a lot um and then fun questions like what song are you playing at the black publishing uh cookout and stuff like that so um so that part will be fun i think it'll be a good piece for people to know other people in the community to build their network up um and to know what just it's like um especially as another black person in this writing community yeah we've gotten a lot of interesting insight from um at editors and agents as well who are navigating the industry from a different vantage point, um, you know, because there there's there's an equity with black authors, but there's also an equity throughout the industry as a whole. So that spotlight section is really about, again, amplifying black people who are making an impact. Another important piece to look at are our official rules for the pitch contest. Um, every pitch contest has certain rules. Um, we want to make sure you get those read first off. Um, of course, we're going to keep reminding as it gets closer to the 21st, um, but we want to make sure that everybody understands um, the different rules that we have and different hashtags and stuff that you can use. So. so you have your website and your Twitter. Are there any other places where people can find you online? As of now, no, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we've thought about um, TikTok or Instagram. <laughs> Um, getting the website launched has been like our big lift to this point, but we know that publishing is huge on TikTok. Um, and so I don't know if we can muster the energy. I also am a millennial, so TikTok is already like, you know, Sorry. a challenge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can't yeah. dance, so it's like, I don't even have that. I know. Also that. Also that. <laughs> I think it took yeah, me like true. an hour to make my first TikTok. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how do you splice a video? How do you connect these two things? It's just not working. So no, I'm good. 
<laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe if we add someone to our team who's really savvy. <laughs> well, I think that kind of leads us into our next question, um, which is, what do you hope to see for Pit Black in the future? Like, what is your dream for it? Some book deals. <laughs> I mean, I'm really excited to start seeing um, the successes that come out of the pitch party and the relationships that are built. Um, I know they're just around the corner, and I'm excited to add that page to our website um, about authors who find representation, books that sell, um, maybe one day a full mentorship program, but we'll have to build up to that one. Yeah, I definitely echo that. I mean, we we call it a party because we want it to be celebratory and we don't want it to have like those stressed out vibes of like, did I get likes? Did I not get likes? Because I know that in a lot of instances, if you end the day with no likes, you kind of feel like you failed. And so we're calling it a party. So it's really about celebrating. But at the end of the day, we do want to make those connections between authors and agents. And we do want representation offers to come from this. And we want agents to look forward to this day as a day where they can actually find marketable work. Um, and so it'll be sort of like a destination day. That's that's like the, the shorter term goal. And absolutely, the sky's the limit for long term goals. Building community. Um, maybe hopefully people can find betas or CPs or just other people who are interested in things they like. Um, sometimes it can be hard when you're starting off new and don't know anything about this, especially getting on Twitter if you're not used to that too. Um, so I'm hoping this can just be a, a first place to build that support network. And I think kind of more like existentially, we just want Black authors to feel like there's a space for them. Like Mariah, you said where there's like, it's an embarrassment free zone. You can ask any question that comes to mind. No pretension. I think the tone of our Twitter is we're trying to evoke like fun and, um, you know, just this is a home. This is a home base for you on Twitter, which is such an active community for writers. But now there's like a focal point where there's a voice for black writers. And um, hopefully this spawns other groups to to form. Um, and we're also discovering other groups that exist for black creators across different um, art and culture spaces as well. Well, really, that's really all we have um, for all of you. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Where can our listeners and viewers um, find you online? Start with our Twitter at Pitch Black. Um, I think that's definitely kind of like our our landing pad. You know, if if there's anywhere to start, I think there's it's definitely there. Yeah, that's where our most active conversations are happening, and we're always sending out chaotic prompts because they all have a purpose. We're, you know, building our, our guidelines and rules. So respond to our prompts, engage with us on Twitter, our website, um, pitblk.com, which as of this listening, you'll be able to visit. Um, and, and right now those are our two home spots, home bases. And engage with each other on there. I think um, that is one another huge plus of the Twitter and the website, it's that it's it's a great place to find other black writers. So talk to each other, hype each other up. That's that's really what we're all here for, just to build the community. I love that. Well thank you so much. Thank this you for having us. Thank you. Hey 
everyone, Managing Editor Mariah Richard here with Content Editor Michael Woodson. We're really excited to wrap up our discussion about writing communities with our guest, Grant Faulkner, who, if you aren't already familiar with him, is the Executive Director of, Man of National Novel Writing Month, also known as NaNoWriMo. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Grant. Absolutely, Mariah. It's a treat. Um, so before we dive into our larger discussion, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, well, I am executive director of NaNoWriMo, as you mentioned, and uh, but I think first and foremost, I am a writer, which means I'm a struggling writer, an aspirational writer, a hopeful writer, a determined writer, a studious writer, a sometimes procrastinating writer, a sometimes often fatigued writer, caffeinated <laughs> writer. There are a lot of adjectives. I can go into more. And maybe we will uh, during this episode. Um, but beyond that, I also uh, host a co-host a podcast called Right Minded that is part of NaNoWriMo. And I am the co-founder of 100 Word Story, which is a journal that publishes these tiny, tiny stories that are exactly 100 words. And yeah, I've published a few books and I don't know, I've done a few other things too, but that, that's enough for now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's start with the basics. What is... Yeah. NaNoWriMo. How did the idea um, come about? Yeah, that's actually a big question. I love when yeah. I talk to people. I I, I love asking uh, the people in the audience to to tell me their definition of NaNoWriMo because I find that everyone has a different kind of entry point and angle. Yeah. But I think it is most basic, and I can tell you more about how it was founded and everything if you want to know that. Um, but just the shorthand for it is um, it's one part writing boot camp and one part right, rollicking writing party. And mm -hmm. so the boot camp part comes in and that is a challenge to write 50,000 words in a month. And that sounds like a lot, but if you break it down, do some, some really you know, kind of sophisticated math, divide it by 30, you get about 1,667 words a day. So that's doable. It's, it's, it's a stretch though, it's hard. And so that's the boot camp part. You gotta show up every day and write for 30 days and make creativity a priority and make writing your novel a priority too because so many people say I'm gonna write a novel someday and someday right. tends not to happen. And then, but that boot camp part, you know, that's tough, but it doesn't all have to be tough. And so we like to make it a party and a community and there's a bunch of different ways that we do that. And I think we're gonna spend a good part of this podcast talking about that. So I won't go deeply into that now. Um, but yeah, boot camp plus party equals finished novel. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, amazing. I've never been very good at math, but I could do that equation. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is the thing that I think needs to be noted is that NaNoWriMo is, I mean, the thing we should be more celebrated or celebrated for is introducing math to writing. <laughs> yeah. um, because because like for, for, for many years, actually thousands of years, <laughs> people were not finishing their stories or their novels because, uh, you know, we believe that a, that, a, that a goal and a deadline is a creative midwife. And so that goal is the 50,000 words and that math of dividing by 30 and showing up every day to do it. You know, um, I think it's easy for writers to think they're writing more than they're writing. Sure. You know, it's almost like you get into writing a novel and you just kind of start eddying around this little tide pool, you know, and you're not like moving forward with it. And so NaNoWriMo is really about the moving forward part, mm -hmm. the progress part, uh, which comes with math. Yeah. <laughs> it's aided by math. Um, so I myself started participating in NaNoWriMo, I think it was like 2009, 2010, mm -hmm. um, but NaNo has existed um, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, since 1997? Is that correct? 99, 99. actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but since then, we have seen radical change when it comes to the way that we connect with other people. Um, I mean, just in terms of thinking how quickly technology has evolved. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the vision for Nano has changed over the years because of things like technology? Actually, it, it hasn't changed at all. And, and that's one thing that I find utterly fascinating about NaNoWriMo and, and sort of worth studying is that when Chris Beatty founded it in 1999, he really just wanted to write a novel and he hadn't mm -hmm. taken any writing classes or anything. He um, simply kind of looked over his bookshelf and took out some of the more slender volumes, you know, like Think Catcher in the Rye or The Great Gatsby and did a rough kind of word count estimate. And when he saw that those were 50,000 words, he did that complicated math that I mentioned earlier and, and said, hey, a novel can be written. But he didn't want to write it alone. And so he's, he's a great kind of community instigator. And so he invited um, 20, 21 of his friends to write with him. And they met in coffee shops um, after work. And, you know, that was great because one, it started the community premise of NaNoWriMo and the fact that, that writing a novel, you know, is that can be this wonderful exercise in creative collaboration and it, you can also make it fun. And by making it fun and meeting together, that brings in a built in like system of accountability. Like, mm. like if, if, if some of Chris's friends didn't show up to that cafe to write together, they might get a phone call like, are you still in? Right, we're going to see you tomorrow night. And so that, that happens right now in NaNoWriMo. You know, our number one accountability technique is we tell people to announce your novel to the word, world. Tell everyone about it because you don't want to bump into a person after you have announced it, your novel on Facebook and have them, you know, in the grocery store ask you, how's your novel coming? And say that, you know, you, you stopped. Um, so anyway, telling others is a great account, great for accountability. But also, you know, to make it fun, they did these great games and one might be like a contest, like whoever writes 500 words first, you know, everyone chips in and buys them a latte, you know. So like, like again, that forward motion and momentum of writing um, and having a reward at the end. And then once everyone was, you know, very well caffeinated and had all their key beverages, uh, there'd be like a contest of like, you cannot go to the bathroom until you've written a thousand words. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, th this is like a, the best writing motivational technique in the world. So, um, yeah, so, so they, did a lot, they did a lot of stuff like that. And then, and then, you know, it grew from there, you know, the number one reason today that people say they write Nano, join NaNoWriMo is because a friend invited them to. And we have this whole system of municipal liaisons. So these are people who are volunteers in their local communities like Cincinnati, and they'll organize at least pre-pandemic days, they would organize like writing gatherings, write-ins in like mm -hmm. local cafes. And so there was that in-person component, but then per, per what you're saying about, um, and they would do things like <laughs> the writing activities and the writing games like Chris created in 1999. And he did this all because Chris had no intention of starting a nonprofit, I should have said that. He just wanted to write a novel. And so this all grew from that. Um, but all, you know, the online touch points are largely the same too. I mean, we started in the early 2000s, of course, you know, it was mainly like things like blogging and our online forums. And of course, we have all these wonderful social media sites that we didn't have then. But the premise is the same. We're bringing people together, often people who don't know each other at all, and bringing them into this, you know, I don't know how to describe it, this, this creative, it's kind of one part, you go to war together, and you 
form this like great kinship with people because you've been through something extreme together. And what I find marvelous is that if you go to, you know, to Twitter, for instance, and look at the hashtag NaNoWriMo during November, it's usually trending. And you'll usually see like, you know, just strangers encouraging other people like congratulations for hitting your word count goal today keep going you can do it so i think like nanorimo is fundamentally like what makes the community really go is that spirit of encouragement and that you can do it so we're really an empowerment organization in so many ways you've sort of touched on this but i do think it it um would help to to maybe go into a little bit more Nano sits at this interesting cross-section of being like a very specific challenge with an mm -hmm. end date in sight but also uh, it can act as an opportunity for writers to set better goals and structures around their writing. And in general, experts say that it takes a little over 60 days to form new habits, which begs the question, how do you keep the nano community engaged and encouraged throughout the entire month of November so they don't have that urge to sort of give up? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a kind of, I think, our foremost challenge, really. Um, years ago, they said it was 30 days. So I, I like how they put it to 60. I think this puts us to the test. I know. I, I, actually, <laughs> I did some research and I, I saw 60. I was like, I'm never learning a new habit ever again. Like, that's way too many days. Yeah, we've revised the earlier 30 days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I used to talk about that, how uh, writing for 30 days hopefully created the momentum to make it a habit yeah and, and even getting through that first 30 days and i think there's so many different ways we try to coach people and 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 the thing i think the starting premise for me is you know what i said earlier about a goal and a deadline being a creative midwife but you also have to plan on on that time between the goal and the deadline and how you're going to open your life up so that you can write you know, essentially 1,700 words a day. Or if it's not NaNoWriMo, maybe it's 1,000 words a day or 500 words a day. And so I really think that, that time management is the unheralded hero of novel mm. writing. And so I advise people to really think. Wow. And I mean, we, t we advise people to go on a time hunt during their ordinary lives, like in September and October, and, and really tally up how they use their time, like every nook and cranny of time. How do you spend your lunch break? How do you like spend your right. evenings? How much time do you spend on social media? And it's likely all those people, which are basically all of us who say we don't have the time to write a novel, I'm pretty sure you can find the time or most people can. It's just that you've probably got to give something up. And uh, you know whether that's doing power writing on the weekends or writing on your lunch break or waking up early or staying up late, you know, or giving up social media for a month. I, you know, I think finding the time and building that creative time into your life is the best way to 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 create that momentum and make it a habit. That's one key way. Um, yeah. We also, though, we offer a bunch of, you know, I talked about the community. I mean, I do think the community is key to that, yeah. too, like being part of a writing community. And that community can take a lot of different forms. It can happen on the NaNoWriMo forums or on Twitter. It can also happen, you know, whatever with our with our volunteers, but also like beyond NaNoWriMo, too, um, obviously. Yeah, figuring things out, figuring out how to keep that habit going and how to spend your yeah. time and what to write on. Yeah, so I think it's kind of endless in some ways. A time hunt is genius, and especially doing it before Nano starts. I think that's maybe where the connection between 30 days and 60 days might be for Nano is that, you know, they say the best movies are made before any one shot is filmed because the prep is so important. That's so true with Nano, too, because, like, people... The first time I tried to do it, I just jumped in and had no concept of what, what 
time management was for me. And then this last year I did it with my friends and I took some time before Nano started to be like, when does it make sense for you to do this in your day? And it made all the difference. Time Hunt is so smart. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do. I do think it's smart. Um, and I think it's like a lot of times when people think of novel prep, they think of like outlining their novel or researching their right. novel instead of thinking about like, how do you, how do you, you know, create a creative life, you know, which is like the, the really the first key ingredient of any kind of novel prep. Yeah. Um, just to get a little bit personal, I guess. Um, I'm, <laughs> All right. I love, I love the I'm, I'm thinking about the years, um, <laughs> that I was successful at the NaNoWriMo challenge and the years that I was not. <laughs> and I think yeah. for me, um, the key was learning how to effectively use the Nano community um, because mm. initially it was just my friends and I um, in person doing our own thing, using the NaNoWriMo website as just a way to, you know, we'd pop in and we'd update our word count and we'd pop back out. Um, but then I, I moved away. I moved away from all of my friends and I'm happy here in Maryland now. Uh, but when I moved down here, that was like 2017, 2018, um, I discovered the regions area on the NaNoWriMo website and I was able to connect with um, a local library who does NaNoWriMo write-ins. Um, so cool. I was very successful that year because I was... Every Thursday, we would all get together at the library and they would time us. We'd do word sprints. And, you know, mm -hmm. there was snacks. Of course, this was like pre-COVID days, right? But like we, we would hang out, we would talk. Um, and from that, I connected with other writing communities in the area. Um, that's actually how I got involved with the Maryland Writers Association. Um, it was just like meeting people, mm -hmm. talking, um, but then, of course, we still have the online component where NaNoWriMo is global and everyone is doing it at the same time. And it's this incredibly mm -hmm. energetic, like creative push that I think a lot of people um, or maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just need that once a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's you. Um, but it, it's like all this to say it's mind-boggling to me like just how large the nano community is and how far it yeah. extends um and obviously the goal is to never stop growing and including more writers right um so can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how you and the nano team work to grow that community yeah you hit on so many interesting topics there i mean um starting from let me think um well or working back from well i want oh i wanted to mention like you going to the library that's one part of our community i didn't mention and we have this program mm -hmm. called come right in where pre-pandemic mm -hmm. about a thousand libraries took part in that and they did exactly what our volunteers do they host write-ins and you described one perfectly it's like you have these writing sprints and games and activities that you do together to spur on your writing and to kind of create this environment mm -hmm. uh, where people connect um, so that's really powerful. And then uh, when you mentioned the, the kind of that, that feeling, that force of like just knowing that you, if, it can feel like the whole world's writing, right? Like, mm -hmm. like, like when you see that NaNoWriMo hashtag trending on different social media sites, 
you can really feel like everyone's doing it. And, and you said the word energizing, I think of mm. the word galvanizing, you know, I, I do mm. think that there's just something so, you know, you're just kind of being swept along on this wave. And you made references to it being global. And in fact, we've had people on every single continent, including Antarctica, <laughs> participate in NaNoWriMo. So it's, it's genuinely global every year and our volunteers are around the world. So let me think. So your question was, is how do we keep it growing? And, you know, we are a small nonprofit. We don't have like gobs of uh, a marketing or advertising budget. In fact, we have next to no money that we spend on that. And so mm -hmm. it really is that we rely on that same recipe that Chris Beatty did in 1999. You know, it's like, I, I should go through these numbers because they do tell a story. Like it started with, with Chris and his 20 friends in 1999. The next year, I mean, they didn't know if they were going to do it or not. And the next year they said, okay, let's do it. That was a great experience. We had a lot of fun. It was meaningful to write a novel. And the next year, like, I, I think 150 people showed up, you know, like word kind of crept out. Hmm. The year after that, they built their first official website, which was like kind of like a Model T, except maybe with three wheels. And, 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 and they got and the max number of signups for the site was like 5,000. And Chris entered everybody's God. name. He had to enter it himself, 5,000 wow. people. And, and the New York, New York Times wrote an article and they were like, this is crazy. 5,000 people are writing a novel together. Well, you know, it was kind of crazy in some ways. Um, but, but, you know, that grew to, you know, 500,000 people now take part in all of our programs year round. And about 400,000 of those people take part in, in NaNoWriMo during November, and about 100,000 of those 400,000 are uh, kids and teens and teachers in our Young Writers Program. So, you know, it's really, um, it's, it's about growth, and we always do want to reach more people, uh, but it's also, you know, for a small nonprofit, it takes a lot to serve all those people. So we also try to do a lot to, to form more intimate connections with those people and to help them, as you mentioned, Michael, with their writing year round. We're not just an mm -hmm. event, I'm one month event anymore. We have a website, which I call, it's kind of like Fitbit uh, for writers um, that really supports people year round in a variety of ways. So sort of going off of that, with Nano being so big and, and just continuing to grow, what, what has the process been like to manage the community, especially as you say, you, know, you are still a nonprofit, and and mm -hmm. um, nonprofits sort of famously don't have the same resources that. It's sad. Um, yeah, it is. It's so sad. Yeah, if we were for profit, we could probably go get a lot of venture capital funding and just have tons <laughs> of money gushing in to do all this wonderful stuff. But as a nonprofit, <laughs> since people can't invest in us to make money it's not enough to invest for social good that's a pretty good thing to invest <laughs> in i think um yeah. but yeah so we're always you know we we really rely on the the donations of individual participants and we're very blessed to have people who have had a good experience with us and um who who believe in that social good that we do and so we really uh function on on a lot of people donating like 25 dollars each that's our average donation but I think you were taking a question in a different direction. You didn't want me to talk about NaNoWriMo fundraising so much. Um, no, well, truly, however, whatever feels the most natural to answer that question, like managing such a large global community, um, I think because it's it's just an interesting juxtaposition of like what writing can feel like, which is individual, a little bit alienating, but at the same time, because of NaNoWriMo, it's all happening at once, as we said, with thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people participating 
managing and organizing that community, I can't imagine is an is an easy task. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, we grapple with it because we are a small number of people, and we are trying to support a great number of people. And I think yeah, that that's exactly like that. The magic of Nanorama is that it's we really are a, a, an organization focused on capacity building. And the only way we're able to do it is through all of these people who are volunteers, who are kind of carrying the torch forward. And so those thousand municipal liaisons, those volunteers around the world, you know, they're doing all this heroic work for free. And mm -hmm. they're developing writing communities, not only in the month of, of November, but they're, they're carrying them forward throughout the year. And that goes for those thousand libraries that I mentioned too. And I, I view our teachers, you know, we support 10,000 classrooms and all with everything we do is free. So we give them free mm -hmm. common core aligned curriculum, workbooks, a whole website, a lot of stuff. And I, I view all those teachers, they're, they're like volunteers too. You know, they're again, right. carrying the torch into their schools and into their after school programs. And so, yeah, it's really about, I mean, that's the magic of NaNoWriMo is its community. You know, the community yeah. makes it happen in so many different ways, whether people have an official role, one of those roles I just mentioned, or whether they just show up and do it on their own. I mean, there's so many NaNoWriMo groups that, that just happen and we can't possibly keep track of them. Um, and so that's, that's, I mean, that, that, that's what I think the gift to the world is, 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 is to bring people together through writing stories and through being creative yeah and that's the social impact too and i think like these these days you know like what brings people mm -hmm. together it's stories and mm -hmm. and and you know we have so many divides going on in our world and and sometimes the atrocious so often the atrocious acts that are committed are committed by people who lack a community you know they they feel alienated and ostracized so when I when I say like the social good we're trying to create in the world, like that is it in in a lot of ways, you know, to 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 help people feel mean. I mean, we're mean we're meaning making creatures, and the way we make meaning in the world as human beings is through our stories, you know. So I just feel like sometimes storytelling gets um, treated or trivialized or, or or made to be secondary in life and mm -hmm. in school. And I think it should be primary. You know, I think I think this is like who we are. This is how we express um, our experience, and it's how we connect with people. So I think it's a very primary thing. I love that. Wow. Um, so kind of going off of that, say you're someone who's listening, and you've never you've never heard yeah. of Nanorimo, but after this conversation, you really want to get involved. Um, can you walk us yeah. through how someone might get started? Yeah, I mean, I think if you haven't heard from Na about Nanorama before, I mean, I think the best thing is really to participate and to write and to, and to, to I mean, it is, it is, I mean, I, I advise all writers to do it uh, once at the very least. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm, this isn't prescriptive. I'm not saying that every writer needs to follow this model. It's not for everyone, but I do think it's worth doing it once. And, and when I first did it, it was kind of whatever. I was, I was well along in my writing career. Um, and I just wanted to do it to shake up my creative process and do it, you know, approach it differently. And it really satisfied me on that level. So I, I would say that that's the starting point um, because it is a unique community um, and it is a unique writing process. And so um, I think that by um, doing that and kind of absorbing the NaNoWriMo culture and I think involving oneself and like go to some write-ins. Um, and so those have been happening online the last couple of years through zoom um, i mean like sign up for the region like you did mariah like like look on our our regional tab and then sign up for the location nearest to you 
And this year, though, we're, we're hoping to open it up. So we're hoping to go back to in-person gatherings, which is huge. Uh, I think a lot of our volunteers will probably do hybrid gatherings. Um, you know, the online gatherings uh, had pluses and minuses associated with them. But one of the positives was that it allowed more access and we're all about access. So, you know, I think just that level of getting involved is really important. I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say like sign up and try to become a municipal liaison right now because we actually do require that you, that you are, are a participant first. Um, but there's just so many, you know, I, th I think like any involvement in a community, it's hard to chart your journey, like one thing leads to another. Um, mm -hmm. So I think just getting involved on that rudimentary level and one thing will lead to another and you'll see if you, it's a it's a good fit for you. Well, sort of to wrap this up a little bit, uh, you know, Nano does exist in part to help writers achieve their writing goals. But what are your goals for NaNoWriMo? What what do you see for the future for NaNoWriMo? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 more of of what we been doing and sure. only to do it better and to do it bigger in a way. And so, you know, when I said, when you asked about like, what's changed with all the new technology of the last 20 years, and I said, really, nothing's changed. I think in some ways, not much is going to change. Like we, we adhere to that, that, that original NaNoWriMo in 1999 in so many different ways. You know, we are mm. all about helping people write and to make writing and creativity a priority and to help bring people together through creativity. And that takes many forms. And so we'll try to keep up with all the new, whatever social media platforms or whatever it is that happens in the world, whether it's like, you know, augmented reality or virtual <laughs> reality, I'm sure we'll be there someday. So, so, so there's that vision, uh, but really it's bringing people together to write. It's kind of a simple thing. And, and also like to introduce, I haven't talked much about our school program, but you know, most kids learn writing in a really crappy way. Like, like writing yeah. is a really, formidable, intimidating, kind of damning task where people like they see the red marks on the paper, they don't feel good about themselves, they don't feel like text is a way to to express themselves, they don't have fun. And and you know, we're all you know, I think the best way people learn anything is by having fun doing it. And so we try to bring fun and agency uh, into the classroom, you know, kids like sometimes when they do NaNoWriMo, it's the first time they ever get to choose what they what they write about, you know, and they get to write about they get to, to write their novels, not just for their teachers like grade, but for their community, which can be their classroom or their whole school or some of these schools do really great things. They have like book readings in, in bookstores. They actually mm -hmm. sell the books that the kids write, you know, it really makes the kids, you know, they have a sense of audience and a sense of purpose that goes beyond most writing exercises. And I think that that also translates to adults too. You know, like I, I'm, I'm so impressed by NaNoWriMo writers because they have that uh, do-it-yourself energy. Um, I think the best way to learn to write a novel is actually to write one. You know, you can take endless yeah. courses and read endless books about how to write a novel, but you've got to do it. It's just like an experience. It's there's no other way to learn it. Um, and so I think a lot of uh, NaNoWriMo writers take that do-it-yourself energy and they apply it to other parts of the writing and publishing journey in really interesting uh, and creative ways. So we just want to support all that. You know, we follow the community 
Uh, we don't lead the community. Um, all, all of our programs have been community driven, like those municipal liaisons I mentioned. That started uh, way back in the early 2000s. People started organizing writing gatherings, and, and then we heard about them, and then we built a, a structure and a program to, to support them better. Same thing with our, our Young Writers program. That started with teachers, they did it on their own. And then they asked us to develop a program for them to help, you know, build it and support it. So we'll keep doing that. So, you know, if people start doing things with NaNoWriMo that are super interesting, uh, we will want to continue to support that. And then on that note, too, you know, we do like our municipal zones. We did, we did, did this um, uh, focused uh, training on diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, this year, and we've had we've we've had that as a uh, as a, a strong initiative for a number of years. So you know we are all about like um, providing a welcoming, opening, inclusive space for all writers, and so that's a big point of emphasis as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about all of this today with us, Grant. Absolutely, it's treat. You guys ask great questions. <laughs> we do our best. Yeah, <laughs> <We> better. <laughs> So it's, it's been really great to get to talk to you, and hopefully um, people out there, if you are not involved with NaNo, you'll think about doing it this year. And you can join us. Uh, last year, all of us editors here at Writer's Digest participated. So hopefully we will see you all in November. Thank you again, Grant. Definitely, and thank you to Writer's Digest. We've had a great relationship over the years, and we really appreciate all you've done to help spread the word. Um, so you're included in everything I just said about building the community. We view, view you all as a vital part of that community. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> For this month's writing prompt, think about your work in progress. Are your main characters part of a community? If so, what kind and could this community experience be mined for either creating a conflict to push the narrative forward, or could the community be a potential source for a solution for your character's problem? Brainstorm a way the community could work either way, and if it seems promising, write a scene to test it out. Thanks for listening to Writer's Digest Presents. Visit writersdigest.com for more writing prompts, advice, and inspiration. Email us at writers.digest at aimmedia.com to share your feedback and join us on social media at Writers Digest to share your thoughts about writing communities. We look forward to hearing from you.